You're listening to Rambling with Ryu, hosted by Bean, the co-founder of Ryu Paralysis Recovery Center living with a T10 spinal cord injury, and Nancy, a professional kinesiologist specializing in pediatric and adult neurorehabilitation. Welcome to our activity-based therapy series, where we talk to leading clinicians, researchers, and those with lived experience as we explore the realm of neurorecovery. On this podcast, we educate on the lesser-known topics and give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice. All right, this is our last episode in our nutrition series with certified nutrition and wellness consultant Brittany Nunzig. As I mentioned before, if you'd like to know her whole full story, please check out episode seven of Rambling with Ryu, where we go in depth of Brittany's story. So Brittany, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, of course. We love having you here. (laughs) People are going to be like, I'm sick of hearing this lady's voice. No, never, never. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about eating for a healthy bladder. And this is something that affects a lot of people with spinal cord injuries. So yeah, let's just get right into it. Yeah. Okay, so how about I just tell a little bit about my story with bladder infections and why I know so much about natural bladder care. I was paralyzed at 13. I've said that in other previous episodes. But from the time that I was paralyzed till the time that I was probably, I don't know how many years now, about 26 maybe, I had chronic UTIs, like at least eight a year, usually 12 a year, I would get a bladder infection, I would be on antibiotics, two weeks later, I would get another one. And it was just a vicious cycle. I constantly was taking antibiotics without taking a sample because I didn't have time to be peeing my pen. Eventually, I started to become allergic to some antibiotics and resistant to others. And it scared me. And so I was like, I'm not really sure what I can do, you know, to keep this going for however many years I'm going to be in a wheelchair. Like I was just like, there's going to be one antibiotic that I can use. And unless they come out with new ones, I'm going to be resistant to all of them. And so I started to get really scared about that. And so I wanted to find a better way. My foray into natural or healthier eating actually started with like curing my UTIs. So I started figuring out that there were things that I could do that would influence my bladder with the things that I was eating and that there was a lot of natural things out there. And so not necessarily like things that you're eating, but things that are natural herbs. So that would be considered nutrition food that are very good for the bladder. So that's kind of like my history. And after I decided that I wanted to do something different, I just started scouring the internet about, you know, natural bladder care and didn't really find much beyond cranberry juice all of the things that I kind of already knew about that the doctors had already told me about until I came across an obscure forum that I was just reading in. And a doctor actually was talking about how a patient of hers had a really bad bladder infection, but was pregnant and did not want to take antibiotics with her baby uh, in her stomach because she didn't want to ruin the gut health of her unborn baby. And so the doctor basically said, you know, a UTI is really bad with pregnancy. So you have the weekend. If you can't figure out something naturally, you have to take antibiotics. And then the patient went home and then returned on Monday with a completely clean urine sample. And the doctor was like, what did you do? And she said, I ate a whole bunch of garlic. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if that could work. And so that's what I did. I went home and I just started eating Whatever it said in the forum, which was three cloves of garlic three times a day, that's what I ate. And it 
took my bladder infections away, which was crazy. It sounds really simple just saying it like that, but I did it for like two years. I started drinking a lot more water, but that was my first sort of realization that there's things out there that really can either help your immune system or fight infection that are natural and just things that you put in your mouth. So that's sort of how I got into the natural bladder care. And since then I have learned so, 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 so much more about how to heal your bladder with food and with natural medicine. So I've kind of come up with the four R's of bladder health over these last eight years, and they are remove. So removing things that irritate the bladder, repairing, repairing or using food to soothe the bladder and natural herbs to soothe the bladder, reinforcing. So these are things that are antimicrobial and help improve your immune system and then repelling. So things that improve tissue integrity inside the bladder. So I'll just go through each of these things individually and talk about the types of foods or natural supplements that are good for each of these things. So the first one is remove. So these are things that irritate the bladder and there are so many known bladder irritants and all you have to do is Google cystitis diet or a bladder diet or bladder irritation diet and you will find so many different websites and books and different things like that that talk about which foods are actually irritating to the bladder. Some of the biggest culprits are caffeine, alcohol, acidic food, like, you know, lemons, limes, things like that, apple cider vinegar, any of things like salad dressings that are high in vinegar. Tomato-based products are a huge one, carbonated drinks, spicy foods, sugar, chocolate. Those are just some of the big ones. I found a document a while ago when I was like looking for stuff. And it was an entire program for people that have interstitial cystitis, which is like irritation of the bladder. And it was a lot of foods that can irritate the bladder. This is again, another individual thing, which people are probably getting annoyed about hearing. Now they're like, Oh, everything's individual, but it really is. Some people can drink caffeine, but they can't drink alcohol. Some people can eat tomato based products, but they can't have acidic things. And so just removing the things that irritate the bladder. One thing I want to mention in this area is that knowing your bladder pH and knowing what pH your bladder prefers is helpful. And in order to do this, all you have to do is order urine test strips, urinalysis strips from, you can get them at any drugstore, I think, but I get them from Amazon. They're about $10 for a hundred, I think. And they're just little strips that normally a doctor would use to see if there's protein in your urine, if there's white blood cells to preliminarily like diagnose a bladder infection, but it also has, you know, the ketones in there and pH, a bunch of other things too, that don't really matter. But I always like to get them to look at the white blood cells and the pH of my urine. And I know that my urine prefers to be on a more alkaline side. And when my urine is more alkaline, which means basic and not acidic, then my bladder isn't as spastic. It doesn't have as much urgency, all of those things. Whereas some people, their bladder really doesn't mind being in a more acidic state. So they can take more vitamin C and they can eat more acidic foods. So just knowing your bladder pH and kind of testing it and going, hey, I am in more incontinent right now. And seeing if that has something to do with your bladder pH, that's kind of also uh, something I would recommend in this remove sort of section where just finding out the things that irritate your bladder. And if pH is one of those things, then you can work towards improving your bladder pH just by the things that you eat. And I can talk about that in a little bit, just about the different types of foods that can make your bladder more acidic or the types of foods that can make your bladder more alkaline. Okay, so that's remove. And 
that is a big step because some people can just remove the things that irritate their bladder and their bladder infections will magically get better because you know, it's kind of like having eczema or a cut all the time and you just keep putting salt in the wound or something that's irritating it. It's not going to heal and it's going to be less robust and more prone to infections if you're just irritating it all the time. The tissue is just not going to be as healthy. So sometimes this step can drastically improve infections just on its own. And then the next step is repair. So once you remove stuff and you're no longer irritating it, your bladder is probably pretty irritated. Like if it's especially like me where I had infection after infection, it just never ever really heals. It's kind of always like that fresh raw tissue. It's like ripping a scab off all the time. And yeah, the skin is there, but it's always that pink, you know, really fresh, never really strong and robust skin. And that's the same thing that happens in your bladder. It doesn't have enough time every time it's being irritated or damaged from infection. It doesn't have enough time to heal to create the nice mucus layer that would repel bacteria and all that stuff. And so finding things that help repair this is good. One of the things that has been around for a really long time, especially in indigenous cultures, is corn silk. So it's just the silk off the corn. Like it literally is the the silky, annoying stuff that you have to pick off corn when you're, um, I don't even know what it's called when you're taking the stuff off of it. Whatever. When you're taking the stuff off the corn, the, the annoying corn stuff, silk on it. So it's that stuff. It's dried out and it's made into a tea. And that helps soothe the bladder. It helps reduce inflammation. And it also helps to uh, reduce bladder urgency. So sometimes even in kids with like hyperactive bladder or bedwetting, naturopaths will give them a corn silk supplement because it just helps relax the bladder in general. Other things that do this are marshmallow root and you can drink that in a tea. And then horsetail is another thing that also does. Horsetail is an astringent and astringent just basically improves the tissue integrity. So think of it like flossing your gums. Eventually your gums get kind of springy um, and the tissue is the, the cells are nice and close together. That's what an astringent does. It just helps create a more robust barrier. So yeah, corn silk, marshmallow root, and horsetail are three things that you can use that are you know just in teas or you can get them in tinctures too. But I prefer tea because then you're also getting hydration at the same time. So yeah, any health food store will have this kind of stuff. And sometimes they'll even have it like in a combination. Depends on where you go. And there's uh, a couple herbalists in the city, at least in Edmonton, that would be able to put together like a, a custom tea blend for you if you're interested in having something with all of these things in it. Okay, so then the next step after repairing is reinforcing. So once you start to repair that tissue, then we want to like reinforce it and we want to help our immune system fight all of the things that are inevitably going to get into our body. And especially with spinal cord injury, we're constantly putting bacteria into our bladder. We are never going to get rid of it. And so we want to reinforce our immune system and we want to help um, fight infections if we do get them with natural antibiotics. So some of the things that can help with your immune support are echinacea. So if you have an active bladder infection, you can take echinacea in terms of like a supplement or you can drink it as a tea. Zinc is something that I recommend just in general for 
anybody, I think anybody should take zinc. It's really important for your immune system, especially for people with spinal cord injuries. And it's important for tissue integrity too. So you can't build tissue without zinc. So I take 50 milligrams once a week, but definitely talk to your doctor about the appropriate amount of zinc for you. But it's definitely a supplement that I would recommend just always for somebody with a spinal cord injury, both for their immune support and to prevent bladder infections and then to help enhance their tissue integrity so that they're not having skin breakdown. And then vitamin C is something that's a great support vitamin for your immune system. And I take vitamin C every single day, just because I think we're always fighting like a low level of bacteria in our bladder and vitamin C just helps us do that. Another thing that's been shown to do really well in terms of supporting immune system, especially with UTIs is reishi mushrooms. And you can get like mushroom teas, different ways to consume reishi mushrooms, but they have a long history of immune support. And then natural antibiotics. There are so many natural antibiotics out there. It's crazy. Once you start doing research on this, there's antimicrobials, which actually reduce the amount that bacteria grow. And then there's antibiotics, which actually kill bacteria. So there's different strengths of natural antimicrobials, but the big ones for UTIs are golden seal and uva ursi. And if you go to any naturopath, they will almost 100% give you either of those things for a bladder infection. For myself, I didn't even know about those two natural antibiotics when I cured my UTIs and I used 100% garlic. And to this day, I use garlic almost every single time I have a bladder infection and it's very effective. So healthy for your gut too, because it is a prebiotic. It does become antibiotic once you take a lot of garlic. So it will kill some of the gut bacteria. But I feel like because it's also a prebiotic, it does still keep feeding some of the gut bacteria. So it's kind of feeding some and then damaging some, but it's not totally wiping it out like a pharmaceutical antibiotic would. So I, I just really like garlic. It, other, it has other health benefits too. It lowers blood pressure, different things like that. So that's the one that is my go-to, but other natural antibiotics are oil of oregano, yarrow, juniper, grapefruit seed extract burdock root, there's a whole bunch of natural antibiotics out there. And if you just Google natural antibiotics, especially for UTI, there are lots and lots of great resources on the internet. And I will even provide you guys a link to a couple of, they're like papers, they're, they're papers that I found that people have put together specifically about natural antibiotics for UTIs. So that's reinforcing, just helping your immune system and your body fight stuff so that it doesn't have to do it on its own and not killing all the good bacteria in the process. And then the last one is just repelling. So herbs that prevent bacteria from infecting the bladder tissue in the first place. And these just, they either make your bladder wall more slippery to antibiotics or they, in the case of like D-mannose, they actually uh, attach to things like E. coli so that it, it prevents it from attaching to your bladder wall. So certain things that help repel bladder infections are probiotics. So our vaginal microbiota shield, which is like the vaginal bacteria that we naturally have that helps prevent bacteria from our anus, from traveling up to where our bladder would be. And so just taking probiotics will help repel that bacteria from that end. And then I already talked about pH. So either acidic or alkaline environments prevent bacteria. So that just repels bacteria. They don't like to be in a too acidic environment or a too alkaline environment. And you can go either way. And like I said before, 
which way you go depends on what your bladder likes. Mine likes more alkaline and that makes it less spasms, less bladder urgency, all that kind of stuff. But some people's bladder doesn't mind having an acidic environment and therefore you can eat more things that create more of an acidic environment. If you eat more meat and different things like that, it will create more acidity in your body and your bladder will become more acidic. If you eat more dark green vegetables, things that are more bitter in nature, that will create a more alkaline environment in your body and therefore in your bladder. So which way you go depends on your own symptoms and what your bladder ends up liking. And you can just test to kind of get a a little bit of a graph going to see where your symptoms are the worst and what pH your bladder or your urine was at that time. And then anti-adhesion helpers like cranberry, D-mannose, those are things that have been used, not D-mannose, it hasn't been used for that many years, but cranberry has been used for many, many years. And that basically just, it makes your bladder wall less easy to adhere to for the bacteria. And then D-mannose actually mimics the sugars that are in the cells of our urinary tract that a bacteria would normally attach to, and they attach to the D-mannose instead and then just get flushed out. And then the last one or the last thing for repelling is diuretics like dandelion, just old good old dandelion tea from the annoying, annoying dandelions that grow everywhere. Uh, You can get dandelion tea and that's a natural diuretic and nettle tea is a natural diuretic. And if you kind of feel symptoms of a, a urinary tract infection, you can drink those teas and it will help release excess fluid from your body uh, and flush out your kidneys and your bladder and it will take the bacteria with it. So those are the four R's of bladder health that I've kind of developed over the last little while. And they really do work. You just have to do them consistently. It's a simple process, but it's not easy. So it's, you know, intuitively simple, but it definitely takes trial and error. And it definitely takes commitment in order to move away from pharmaceutical antibiotics. It's pretty scary sometimes when you do it because you're so reliant on your doctors and on pharmaceuticals, but it can be done. And I'm proof of that. So. Wow. (laughs) That was a like very long, just me talking. (laughs) But you gave so much good information. I love your four R's. Yeah. I do want to go back to the garlic because you've mentioned it a few times now. And I mean, we've had this discussion many times off the record and, you know, I've taken the garlic as well. And I've seen an almost immediate reaction from my body that it liked it. But I want you to talk about like, how do you take the garlic? What do you do to prep it? And like, you know, the dosage and stuff. Okay. So the garlic is three cloves, three times a day in general. If I have a really bad infection, I will take the garlic about every four hours. So sometimes I'll take it more than three times, but in general, three good size cloves. And this is kind of, it's hard to tell people exactly how much I should come up with like a tablespoon amount or something when you cut it up, because sometimes there's a really giant clove. Sometimes the cloves are really small. So, but just in general, three medium sized cloves, you cut them up into little chunks and then you let them sit for at least 10 minutes. And the reason that you let garlic sit for 10 minutes is because there's an enzyme in the garlic that interacts with oxygen in the air to actually produce the antibiotic in the garlic called allicin. And so when you can smell the garlic, when you cut garlic, like if you just hold garlic up to your nose, it smells a little bit. But if you cut it up, that smell that you're smelling is that allicin developing. So it'll get stronger as you let it sit there because the allicin and it's the antibiotic component in it that's developing because of a chemical reaction with oxygen in the air. So you have to let it sit. So you can't just throw a whole clove of garlic in your smoothie or something 
and it will be effective. So definitely cut it up into little pieces and let it sit. And the way I take it is I just cut it up into small little tiny chunks. And then I take a little handful of chunks in my hand and I swallow it with water. That's just how I found works best. Other people that I know crush the garlic, put it in a glass of water and then swallow the whole thing. But that's pretty spicy because as soon as you release all the liquid, like the juices of the garlic, it's pretty spicy. And when I cut it up into chunks, it doesn't release the the liquid. It's not super spicy. And I find that it doesn't also create like horrible breath or anything when you just cut it up and swallow it with water. But yeah, so that's how I do it. And then with an active infection, I take it just like an antibiotic. So I take it three times a day for seven days. And then if I feel really good, then I stop taking it. But if I still feel like I need a little bit more support, then I'll take the garlic maybe just in the morning for the next couple of days. And sometimes even when I don't want to get an infection, like if I know I have something coming up, then I'll just eat leading up to it just to give my body that support. And I like, I'm exactly the same as you being, if I eat garlic, I like, I'm almost by the end of the first day, my bladder is like immediately like, oh, thank you. Some people don't respond that fast to garlic and some people definitely get digestive problems so I don't want to like kid anybody to think that you're going to eat like 12 to 15 cloves of garlic in a day and you're not going to get like either gas or you know sometimes you're going to get that stuff everything coming out of your body is going to smell like garlic but I don't know it's just it's really been effective for me and it's I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't read that you know article all about the garlic it really changed my life Yeah. And like, since you told me about it, I talked to my naturopath about it and she was kind of like surprised because she's like, oh, well, there's no literature that says like garlic helps with any kind of infection. And, but I said, you know, when I started taking it, because for me, one of my telltale signs is the smell of my urine. Right. And then when you told me about the garlic, I started taking it. And immediately after I took the first dose, my urine didn't smell anymore. Yeah. It's that fast for me too. Like it really is. Like it's, It's quite amazing. And there is really no literature. I've done a lot of research. There is actually a bunch of literature on the ability of garlic to kill infection in a Petri dish. So not in a human. So she's totally right in that regard. Or I don't know if your naturopath is a man or a woman, but they're right in that regard. There isn't a lot of literature. And which is why I was just like, when I read that obscure forum, the doctor was just like, I don't know how she cured her bladder infections with garlic, but because somebody was asking about it on this forum and the doctor just explained, well, I don't know if it actually works, but this is what happened in my experience. So I know just from anecdotal like evidence from me, from my friends, that garlic definitely works for bladder infections. And yeah, so it's worth a try. That's like, that's what I love about it. There's, there's not much you can do other than lower your blood pressure a lot. Like I have, I have a friend that She took a lot of garlic and she already has low blood pressure. So her blood pressure got kind of low. So she had to kind of watch how much garlic she was eating because it really can affect your blood pressure if you're eating a ton of it. But there's not really side effects to it. Some people get slight, not neurological side effects, but if you've ever read the Bulletproof Bulletproof Diet book, he talks a lot about like garlic in terms of it having uh, psychoactive sort of effects in terms of like just slowing down your brain waves and stuff like that. But, you know, I haven't ever found that it's done anything like horrible in terms of like my brain capacity or anything, but it's a short-term thing and it goes away after you stop eating the garlic. So maybe it might give you like, you know, a little bit of anxiety or something, but I'd rather eat garlic 
than take an antibiotic any day. Yeah, me too. And the only side effect that I really felt is like burps. My burps smelled like garlic. Oh yeah, horrible. I know it's it's really bad that way. One thing I forgot to mention is if you are using these natural sort of ways to cure your bladder or like help your bladder, when you do have an active infection, you should try to use one of everything from each one of those R's that I talked about. So you should try and like definitely remove the stuff, find a natural thing that's going to repair and soothe your bladder, like the marshmallow root, find something that is like an immune system supporter, like the echinacea, find something that is like a natural antimicrobial, like the uversi, and then always take for prevention the things that are repelling, like the probiotics, the cranberry, the D-mannose, those things are going to just help reduce how much bacteria even gets close to your tissue. And when you have an active infection, you should have one of each of those in your arsenal and take them all at the same time. So you'll be taking like a diuretic to flush your bladder. You'll be taking the tissue healers like marshmallow root to soothe your bladder. You'll be taking echinacea to support your immune system and the vitamin C and things like that, the zinc to support your immune system. And then you'll be adding in the antibiotic component to kill whatever it is that's in there. There's a lot of natural supplements on the market that do take into account all of those different sort of avenues for a bladder infection and they'll sell them like in a blend. And then there's also a herbalist here. Her clinic is called Wild Yarrow and she's super knowledgeable. So I'll give you guys her contact information as well because she's definitely made me like tea blends and things like that. And she's familiar with all of the things that I talked about. So you don't have to go to her and be like, this is what I need. She knows bladder infections and she knows kind of how to combine all of these different things to support your kind of multi-level action plan. Cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Great information to share with our listeners who are suffering with chronic UTIs. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about hydration and its impact on UTIs? Oh my, I should have said that one too. That one's like the hugest one too. Yes. Hydration is probably the biggest, most important. We should have talked about that at the beginning, but yeah, it's the the biggest, probably most important thing that you can do to support your bladder and prevent UTIs. So I drink like a big glass of tea in between every meal, which is like five. I measured my teacup and it's 500 milliliters in between every meal at least. So when I wake up in the morning, I drink 500 milliliters. Before breakfast, I drink about a cup, which is 250 milliliters. And then in between every meal, I drink 500 milliliters. And then before bed, I drink about a liter. So I drink a lot. And it's important to drink a lot because the more you dilute your bladder, the less likely the bacteria that are in there that they're going to locate your bladder wall. The more space you have in your bladder and the bigger your bladder, the kind of the farther the bacteria have to travel in order to get to a place that they can adhere to and infect tissue. So that's just common sense. And then this is another really obscure thing, but there was an, a urologist at an appointment I was at one time and he was like, like really old. Like he was like almost 90. So it, he wasn't an active urologist, but he told me just in the waiting room, because I was telling him that I had a uh, spinal cord injury, he told me to cath every two hours because he said that bacteria can't physically multiply any faster than that. So if you cath every two hours, 
then you're staying ahead of the bacteria multiplying until you go to bed, at which point the bacteria slow down a lot, just like your own body does. And then you can cath longer, like four hours or whatever. But so I've always used that advice and it has done me so well. So drinking a lot and cathing every two hours. Interesting. I do want to interject here a little bit and talk about the hydration because, um, you know, I've talked about this with a lot of people as well. And one thing that I've heard, and I can't remember who I heard it from, but, you know, people are like, well, I'm, if I'm drinking that much, then I'm, I'm peeing a lot more, right? And so what I have told people is to like slowly start increasing the amount of water you're drinking. Oh, I think it was our friend Julie Sawchuk from Ontario, who is also a disability icon, she was saying, think of it like a dry sponge. If you have a dry sponge and you pour a bucket of water on it, it's not going to absorb a lot of it. A lot of that water is going to get repelled off of that sponge. But if you have that sponge and you're pouring slowly onto that sponge, it's going to start absorbing it, right? And so it's important to like, if you're only drinking, say, three to four cups of water right now, and tomorrow you start drinking four liters, I mean, you're going to be peeing a lot of it out and your body may not be retaining as much as you want it to. So to slowly increase that so your body and your cells are actually getting the water intake that you're drinking. And it's also important to like now that you mentioned that to drink actually slowly. So don't guzzle, you know, 500 milliliters at the beginning of every hour and then pee at the end of every hour because the even like my urologist he he said that if you drink a lot in a short period of time, your your blood fills up with liquid and then it signals to your body that you don't need all of that liquid. So then it gets rid of it. So just exactly the same as the sponge idea. So even you have to start drinking slow so that you get your body used to how much your, your new amount of drinking is. And your bladder has time to adjust because your bladder is a muscle. And if you stimulate it too fast, it will just automatically react, right? So if I drink a whole bunch in a short amount of time, my bladder might hold 200 milliliters. But if I sip, over a long period of time, or even over that hour, my bladder will hold like 400 milliliters. So you can't fill up your bladder too fast. Otherwise the stretch receptors will be activated earlier and you can't drink too fast because then your body doesn't have time to, like you say, absorb the liquid at a slow rate. And then it will automatically just get rid of it. So you can actually drink a lot and still be dehydrated if you drink too fast. Does that make sense? Yeah, I find it very interesting how our bodies work. I know, it's crazy that there's a lot to think about, but that's why I just always have in between my meals, I just have 500 milliliters and I just make sure I drink that before the next meal. And I don't drink it super fast because I have I eat three hours between. Sometimes I even drink two cups of tea in between each meal, but I don't drink it fast. I just sip on it and then my bladder fills up slowly and it works well. The other complaint or you know concern that I've heard from people is that the more you drink, the more you cath, the more you cath, the more bacteria you're introducing into your bladder, or the more potential for damage in the urethra with the catheters. And that probably is a little bit of a concern. So you have to kind of find that balance in terms of like how much you're drinking to flush your bladder, but also not drinking so much that you're peeing, you know, the amount that if you are damaging your urethra, especially for males, because they don't have such a straight shot, you know, they're, they're kind of poking around to get into their bladder a little bit more than women are. So they definitely have this concern more than females do in terms of like damaging their urethra on the way to the bladder and cathing more often can sometimes be a concern for them in that regard. 
So again, it's a balance, but I think drinking more is important so that you constantly have at least a, a decent bladder volume. Yeah. I mean, not to mention all the other benefits of drinking water, right? Like healthy skin, healthy bowel, healthy everything, which is all really important when you have a spinal cord injury, right? And for skin, I'm not talking about skin on your face, which yes, also does benefit from drinking water, but the skin on your butt, where we're sitting, our hamstrings, that skin on the back of our thighs, that's really important to maintain its integrity so that we're not getting pressure sores, right? Exactly. And the more hydrated your skin is, the more elastic it is, the more nutrients are in it. Like it's, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of reasons that drinking is beneficial. And the reason that I drink tea is because then I can take some of those things. Like I have a tea blend that is nettle and dandelion, and that's safe to drink every day because it's a diuretic that doesn't deplete your potassium. A lot of diuretics, the ones that I've mentioned don't do that, but some diuretics that you can drink in a tea form, they will deplete your potassium levels and they will mess up your electrolytes which is kind of what coffee does. It's a diuretic. And if you drink too much of it, then it can deplete calcium and different things like that. But dandelion tea and nettle tea don't actually do that. So you can drink them every day to help prevent bladder infections. And I just pick, yeah, like marshmallow tea, dandelion tea, any of the things that are bladder sort of positive or, or bladder beneficial, I just rotate those. And then I'm always getting something that's going to be helpful to my bladder. I know when I first started this process, like I couldn't have any lemon. I couldn't have any like vinegary salad dressings without my bladder getting crazy. I couldn't eat tomato products. Like I couldn't have so many things. And after so many years of healing my bladder, I can drink lemon water. I can have like super vinegary salad dressings. I can eat tomato stuff without it bothering my bladder. And unless I eat it all the time, like if I start eating tomato stuff every day, then my bladder is kind of like, oh, okay, that's too much. But once you heal your bladder, you can go back to eating some of the things that you have to sort of prevent or uh, take away for a while. But yeah, it's a process for sure, but it's, it's a beneficial one. And again, it comes back to knowing your body right? Understanding what it's trying to tell you and then really understanding what your body needs from you in order to function properly. And this seems to be a running theme with a lot of our <laughs> episodes. Yeah, it is but a running theme. You really do need to learn to talk to your body and you need to figure out what it's trying to say to you because it is always trying to communicate. Yeah, it is. Your body, the only way it knows how to communicate is pain, irritation, Pain is the number one way your body communicates with you. And what do we do when we get pain? Normally, we dull it out. We're like, let's take something to take that way so that we can't hear the messenger anymore, which is such a modern medicine way of thinking about things because that was not what happened. Like if you go back to like Ayurvedic traditions and, and Chinese medicine and things like that, pain is they want to know the source of the pain. They make you concentrate on where the pain is so that then they can heal you based on like where that pain is, how it presents itself and stuff. So it's just a very interesting way that we deal with pain in, in like this modern medicine world. Yeah. Okay. Well, you gave us, again, a lot of great information. So what are your main takeaways from this? My main takeaway for this is that I want people to trust their bodies and not be afraid to stop taking antibiotics. So I think people get very afraid and they, yes, 
we do have to worry about sepsis and things like that for bladder infections. So that's no joke. That's no joke. If you start getting a high fever, um, like if you're feeling really sick, don't not take antibiotics. But there's been maybe three or four UTIs in my 21 years with a spinal cord injury that have caused fevers. And I didn't play around with those. Like if you got a fever, something is up, right? But if you don't have a fever, you just sort of have high spasticity, you have a headache, you feel just under the weather. I would say, give your body a chance. And you have to like, just like mindset with anything else, you have to believe it's possible. If you don't believe in your body, your body isn't going to work as well. Like it just isn't. So you have to really have faith that your body is strong and you have to give it the support in order to be strong. You can't just start going, you know, I'm going to heal my bladder naturally and eat McDonald's every day. Like that's not going to work. Your body needs the right tools in order to fight things. But once you give it the right tools, I'm pretty confident that your body can heal most UTIs. It's my experience that it can anyway. So just have faith. You have to really, you have to believe that your body can heal stuff. So just don't be afraid to not take antibiotics. That's, that's my takeaway. Cause that was my biggest fear is that if I stopped taking antibiotics, I would die or something like, I just was like, Oh my, I can't, I'm going to die until a doctor finally said, you know, you take a chance every single time you take antibiotics of having an adverse reaction and dying. So it's probably not that dangerous for you to take a chance on having a bladder infection for a couple of weeks. Yep. Very well said. And it yeah. comes back to that, you know, if you believe you can, then you will. And if yeah. you, you can't, then you won't. Exactly. Yeah. And the, yeah, the fear is the worst part because, you know, you go 12, 12 plus years with 12 bladder infections a year and relying on your doctor and a lab to tell you what you need. And then you, you know, go totally off of that to relying on, you know, listening to your body and eating garlic. It's a, it's a little bit of a stretch. So what I did before, like I always used to get antibiotics in case. So I would have them in case I got sick enough. I always took a sample, made sure that it was the right antibiotic for the bacteria in my bladder, but then I would have it on hand and then I would just use all the natural stuff. Yeah. And if I got sick enough, then I would take the antibiotics. And I worked with my doctor. So talk to your doctor. If you feel like you need somebody to support you in this regard, most doctors are totally happy to be like, yes, I want you to get off antibiotics. Like there's not very many doctors out there that will be like, discourage you from eating healthy and trying some natural things. Yeah, that's great advice. And on that note, I did want to put a disclaimer out there that if you're listening to this and you're wanting to try some of these natural remedies, either for your bowel or for your bladder, please consult with your physician or your pharmacist to make sure that none of these interact with any uh, pharmaceutical medications that you're taking. And again, none of us are doctors. This is not medical advice, advice for people who want a natural way to heal their bodies. And so you know, again, all of this is very individualized as well. So please don't take what we're saying as medical advice as it is not. Yeah, exactly. This is education and information for you to research and figure out, you know, with a medical professional, what might be a good course of action for you. So yeah. And if you want some help and advice from Brittany on your nutrition or talking about bladder or bowel health, you can reach her at 
empoweredpara at gmail.com or any of my social media channels at empoweredpara, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Perfect. And we'll put your contact information in the show notes here as well. Thank you very much, Brittany, for all of your information and for doing all the research and for your passion. It's just palpable through when you speak. And I'm so grateful to call you my friend. Thanks for having me again. And yeah, I just I just want to make people's lives better with spinal cord injuries because I know how it feels to live with all of these complications. And I'm living proof that you can get through it. So awesome. Thanks again, Brittany. You're welcome. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts as this helps us increase our reach. And stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks.